0: right where you are. In a few moments, you're gonna hear some practical teaching from God's word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the giving tab and choose online campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning church, how are you today? Hey, super quick. If this is your first time at one of our campuses, Banta, Franklin, Garfield Park, Greenwood Campus, or if it's your first time watching online, we wanna give you a very special welcome. Can we give it up for all of those who are new? First time viewers, first time attenders. Thank you so much for accepting someone's invitation. For those of you who are not new, welcome back. Today is baptism weekend. You guys pumped? Yeah? Awesome. You know, 2020 has been quite a year. It has been a doozy of a year. I was with uh, my small group of guys last week, and uh, several of them are uh, at least a decade older than I am, and I uh, like to let's throw that in there. And uh, several of them actually said, "You know, in my entire life, I have never seen a year like this one." It was an extraordinary statement. Um, and then, and this particular person has lived through many, many different difficult situations and years, and. It's been tough. But there is some good news. You know, for Emmanuel, this year has, has been an extraordinary year. Since January of 2020, we have seen 945 people text the word "saved" to 65248. That is absolutely incredible. 945 people, if you're new here and you're watching, like what is the, what is the orange box? What, is it, what does the word saved mean? What does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that 945 people have chosen to put their faith in Jesus Christ and trust him as their savior. They've been forgiven of their sins. They've stepped into life in the kingdom of God and now have a relationship with God. And we rejoice over that. The vision of our church is to see people come to Christ and grow in Christ. It's the whole reason why we exist. And so we celebrate God for that. And God's doing wonderful things in the midst of all the difficulty and the challenge. So today is baptism weekend. And here's what's interesting. Part of the process of growing in Christ and and, and following Christ is this thing called baptism. And so today we are going to baptize about 945 people because that's how many people texted the word saved. Yeah, no, we're actually not going to baptize that many people uh, because uh, not many of you signed up to be baptized. So, So I actually want to talk about that a little bit today. Only 25 people across all four campuses signed up to be baptized this weekend. But 945 people texted the word "saved" to be uh, to saved uh, to be saved, and or trusted in Christ. Now, why is that? That's a little bit interesting to me. Now, I know that there's probably you know COVID and everything like that. When you get baptized, someone has to touch you and get within six feet. So I understand all that stuff. In fact, there's a church on the north side that that was trying to figure this out. Like, how do we baptize people during COVID and all this stuff? And so they actually purchased the name BathtubBaptism.com. Um, And so what they do is they have their church members go to the website, sign up for baptism, and then the church comes to your house and baptizes you in your own bathtub. What a clever idea. We ain't doing it, okay? So, uh, but, but, so I mean, you don't have to clap for that. I think it's a great idea. And it's working for them because they take baptism very seriously. Like, as a follower of Christ, like Jesus said, we're supposed to be baptized. Well, then how come more of you didn't sign up to get baptized? Well, I think there's it's COVID, as I just mentioned. But I also think that baptism is a little weird. Don't you agree? So, basically, you're telling me, like, I can text the word save and put my 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 trust in christ and get a box in the mail and i can do that but you want me to get up on stage and get dunked in a bathtub it like gets soaking wet in front of everybody like are you serious i think that the concept of baptism when you really think about it from an outsider's look looking in it's a very strange thing do you agree I mean, those of us who are Christians, we're like, what's wrong with baptism? It's fine. It's just everybody does it. You're supposed to do it. But, man, it can be an odd thing. What is it all about anyway? Why would somebody need to get baptized? Why, would you, why do you want me to get on stage and get wet? I mean, is the water cold? Is it warm? Like, what's going what's gonna to happen? Am I going to stay down there too long? Is he going to bring me back up? I mean, there's all kinds of concerns, right? By the way, by the way, the water is bathtub temperature. I mean, it is. When you get in there, you want to kind of stay. You're like, ooh. But that's just a side point. See, that's for the next baptism, for those of you who haven't signed up. <laughs> nice and warm water. But I want to talk to you today about what baptism is all about. And I think after you hear the message today, you are going to want to take that step of baptism, for those of you who put your faith in Christ. What is baptism all about? Well, in your notes there, baptism is it's a symbol. Baptism symbolizes the new life that you started when you placed your faith in Christ, now, this message isn't only for those who texted the word saved to 65248 this year. Okay, This message is for people who've been Christians for a decade, five years, a decade and a half, two decades. This, is, this message is for those of us who are saying that we are Christians. Maybe you've gotten off course and you need to understand what baptism is all about because baptism really symbolizes... A way of life, a brand new life that you as a Christ follower, whether you've been a Christ follower for a month or 10 months or 10 years, it, it symbolizes the life that you're supposed to be living. So, man, this message is for all of us. This message is for me. Baptism symbolizes a brand new life. You know, back in August 14th, 1999, I got married to my wife, Jackie. I have a ring to prove it right here. And we got, actually got baptized right here in this spot. I can't remember if I was over here or if I was over here. What side was I on? Do you remember? This is on this side. Okay, so she says I was on this side. You got to go with what she says. You know what I'm saying, fellas? So I'm on this side, and right here in this spot, you know, she's, she's, she did this right here, right here. In this moment, right here, she just slipped that ring on there. Now, this ring on my finger is not my marriage. It's not. My marriage is this, 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 this relationship that I have with Jackie, but this, this ring symbolizes that marriage. This ring doesn't help me to have a good marriage. It doesn't, doesn't mean I'm going to have a bad marriage. It just means I'm married, right? That's Whether I have a good marriage or we have a good marriage, that's up to us and the choices that we make, right? Nevertheless, this ring symbolizes that commitment that I made to my wife and the commitment that she made to me that day. Back in 1999. Baptism is kind of like that. When someone gets dunked under the water and comes back up, it is a a declaration. It is is putting a ring on your finger. It is saying, I have decided to die to my old way of living and to come up to a brand new life. Listen to what Paul wrote in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 4. We're going to look at many different passages today, so hang with me. We were. This is what Paul says. We were buried, therefore, with Jesus. That's him. With that's the hymn. With Jesus by baptism into his death. Now we really didn't die with Jesus. We didn't. Okay, that happened two thousand years ago. But when you get baptized, you are symbolically identifying with the death of Jesus. We are buried with Jesus. Into baptism, into his death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, that's what coming out of the water symbolizes to the glory of the Father, we also, we too, those of us who are alive today, might walk in, say this with me, newness of life. That's what baptism symbolizes. This brand new life of coming up out of the water, forgiven. I have a brand new identity. I have a brand new purpose. I have brand new values. I've got brand new thoughts. I'm a brand new person. Now, the baptism itself doesn't actually do this. Okay? So... The water itself doesn't actually give you a new life. It just symbolizes a new life. Look, if the water could do anything to you, I promise you I would hook up a hose in the back here and I would spray all of you down. Even at the Greenwood campus, I'd get you in the balcony, out in the foyer out here at the Greenwood campus. I'd make sure I'd get you in the foyer and I would get everybody soaking wet if the water actually did something to anybody. It's not holy water, folks. It's bathtub water. It's tap water. It's not gonna change you. It's just a symbol. It's just a symbol of saying, hey, I am going to die to this old, former way of living, and I'm going to come back up cleansed, refreshed, brand new, and I'm going to walk in a brand new life with Christ. That is a path. That is a direction. That is a lifestyle. Whether you got saved a month ago or 10 years ago, this is, what, this is the path that you're on. I want to talk about what that baptized life looks like today so you can know the importance of what this this event, this ceremony really means we're going to baptize some folks today. Four four ideas. The baptized life, number one, is a life of obedience. When you get baptized and you go underneath that water and you come up, you're saying, I'm deciding to obey Jesus Christ. One of the most important things the apostle uh, that Jesus actually said in Matthew chapter 28, probably the most important thing he said, was captured right here. Therefore, go and make disciples, Jesus said of all nations, now what is a disciple? A disciple is a follower, a disciple is an apprentice, an understudy, someone who comes alongside, uh, under the, underneath the master and, and becomes a pupil, a learner, that's what Jesus says. Our job, the way we say it around here, is we're in a relentless pursuit of people who are far from God to help them come to Christ and grow in Christ, same idea. We're making disciples, right? And what are we gonna do with these disciples? We're gonna, say "What's me, we're gonna baptize them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus continues, teach these new disciples to do what? To obey. obey. All the things that I've told you, all the commands that I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always to the end of the age. What does a disciple do? A disciple comes underneath the master and just does what the master says. The the disciple says, how high? Do you want me to jump? And Okay, I'll jump it. How far do you want me to Okay, I'll, I'll go that far. A disciple comes under the master and says, what do I do with sexuality? The answer is yes. What do I do with money? The answer is yes. What do I do with my enemies? The answer is I'll do it. How do I handle fear? I'll do it. How do I ha- handle anxiety? I'll do it. How do I handle the opposite sex? I'll do it. The disciple comes underneath the master and simply says, yes, sir. See, the, the, the baptized life is a life of obedience. Back in Jesus' day, they would call the, the, the teachers rabbis. Jesus was actually a rabbi. And uh, the rabbis would have an interpretation of the Torah. And the Torah, if you don't know this, was the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And each rabbi would have, have their own interpretation of, of the law of God. And if you wanted to follow this particular rabbi, you would become his disciple. And Jesus wasn't the only rabbi. And then you would learn his yoke. The yoke was the interpretation of the Torah. Now, with that context, I want you to hear what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. Watch this. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary. Anybody weary today from 2020? And carry heavy burdens. Anybody carrying some heavy burdens this year? If you're tired and worn out, Jesus says, I will give you this thing called rest. Well, how am I going to get rest? Like, things are crazy. You know, we're about to have this election. It might get crazier. We might have to go into another series of, 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 of shutdowns and, and, and because COVID is on the rise. And oh Rest? How am I going to find that rest? Jesus says, take my yoke. Have you ever wondered what that meant, reading through the New Testament? Yoke, like an egg? Like, what, what are you talking about, Jesus? What is a yoke? Well, it's, it's, his, it's his interpretation. It's, it's his teachings. Jesus says, come to me and take my yoke upon you. Listen, he continues. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will, there's that word again, you'll find rest. For what? For your your soul. Why? For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Wow. See, the disciple simply decides to obey Jesus in all aspects of his or her life, and because of that obedience, he or she finds rest of soul in the midst of a difficult That's the baptized life right there. That's the peace that surpasses all understanding is the way Paul put it in a different letter that he wrote. How do you have that peace? Well, you you lay your request before God, and you trust him with it, and you teach, and you follow what Jesus says, and that peace comes into your heart. It's what we were made for. You can have it if you want it. Secondly, the baptized life is a life of letting go of the old and embracing the new. It's a life of being transformed. I remember back in college, um, it was, it was a, almost a daily occurrence to cook me up some ramen noodles. Anybody else? Maybe you didn't go to college, but you still enjoyed some ramen, okay? It was so economically, you know, it made so much economic sense. You go to Walmart, you buy like 50 of these for a dollar. Back in those days, now they're 25 cents, you know, uh, per package, you know, inflation. Um, But man, I used to cook these up and and, uh, enjoy a nice, delicious, tasty meal. Uh, At least it seemed that way to me at 19 years old, 20 years old. And I was a happy kid. I was was like, this is great. Life is great. You got ramen noodles. You go, how can, you know, it's awesome. Well, then I got a little older and I started to like look at the package. I'm like, man, this stuff is 10 cents a package. It can't be that good for you. You know, you start to read some of these words here. Oh My gosh, I don't even know what they mean. This salunium qualitate, what the heck? I mean, so, so as I got older, I'm like, man, I got I to gotta put this stuff away. I can't be eating ramen noodles anymore. I got to graduate to like spaghetti or something, like real noodles. <laughs> and I tell you that little story, and I can go through about 10 different things like that, where it's like, man, I used to do that. I don't do that anymore. That is the baptized life. I used to do that. I don't do it anymore. Listen to the way that Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter four. Listen, since you have heard about Jesus and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off that what? That old sinful nature and that former way of, say it with me, life. The way you used to do stress the way you used to handle money the way you used to do sexuality the way you used to do entertainment the way you used to handle all this the way you did your business the way you did handled your family you got to throw all that off that former sinful life of yours why because it's corrupt corrupted by lust and deception we're all messed up on the inside and jesus has came to jesus has come to transform us remember we're dying to the old way. When we go into the water, symbolically, we're coming up cleansed into a brand new life. This is a symbi- this is symbolism of the path we're supposed to be on. So we throw off that former way of life. And then what else? What do we do? Instead, watch what Paul says here. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Let him change the way you think and put on this thing called the what? The new nature, which is created To be like God, truly righteous and holy. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. We are to be embracing the character of Christ into our life. What does that look like? Well, that's the fruit of the Spirit love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self control, things like courage, things like integrity, things like purity. We're to be throwing off the old and embracing the new. We need to put away the ramen noodles and embrace some real spaghetti. I mean, this is, this is the journey that all of us are on. And baptism is just a symbol of you and I saying, I will let go of the old and embrace the new. I will, I will no longer deal with stress the way I used to deal with it. I will no longer handle my enemies the way I used to handle my enemies. I will no longer hold grudges. I will no longer give in to envy or jealousy. I will no longer give in to anger, anger or hatred or violence. I will, I will throw that off. And it's a process, folks. It doesn't happen because you got wet. It doesn't happen because you came to church today and heard this sermon. It is a lifelong process that will go all the way to the day of your death. Here's the thing about it. God is committed to take you all the way to the end. He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Anybody excited about that? That's the baptized life. It's the life you were created to live. Number one, we're obeying. Number two, we're letting go of the old. We're embracing the new. Number three, it's a life of spiritual strength. The baptized life is a life of spiritual strength. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a strength outside of yourself coming to dwell in your physical body. That's weird, folks, but it's true. It is absolutely true. The Bible talks about it. Jesus said that the apostle Paul said this in Galatians chapter two, verse 20. He says, my old self... Was crucified. He's talking baptism language here. Remember, we're baptized into, symbolically, Jesus' death. And in just the same way that Christ was raised from the dead, we too will be raised symbolically into a brand new life. Paul says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. Not literally. That was 2,000 years ago for us, right? We didn't die on the cross, but symbolically, when we're baptized, we're dying with Christ. And then he says this, it is no longer I who live. Well, that's a strange statement. It's no longer I who live. And then he says this, but Christ lives in me. This may be the most crazy statement in the New Testament. You mean to tell me that, that when I put my faith in God, that God comes to live inside of me? Yes. Now, some of you might think that I'm crazy. Some of you think, might think the Bible's crazy. And, and that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But it's true. It's true. That when we put our faith in Christ, God, in the form of the Holy Spirit, comes to dwell inside every single one of his children. And then Paul says this in the next statement. So I live in this earthly body. <laughs> Here's how. Brand new way to live. Watch this. By trusting in the Son of God. See, now that I've died to my old self, I've said no to my old ways. I'm not gonna handle life the way I used to handle it. Now I'm coming up this brand new person. And how do, I, how do I deal with life as this brand new person? I deal with this life now with this power inside of me that I'm gonna yield to and I'm gonna trust and I'm gonna look to. It's called the Spirit of God. And as I yield and trust and surrender to the Spirit of God in my life, guess what? I end up producing supernatural effects. Things that I could not do by myself. I end up loving people that are unlovable. I end up trusting God when I should be giving in to fear. I end up having peace and rest of soul when I should be freaking out. I end up having the ability to forgive those who've wounded me when I couldn't do it before. I have the ability to keep going when I usually would, I'd be out of strength. Where does this come from? It comes from you living in a brand new way of trusting in the Son of God as you face the reality of your life. See, the Apostle Paul was writing about this in Philippians chapter 4. He wrote these powerful words that are often taken and misquoted and misused by many Christians. I'm going to help you today understand what they truly mean. Paul said, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me, say it with me, strength. Powerful statement. But this statement is not meant to be taken to help you, you know, become a millionaire or make it to the MBA or, 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 or become an astronaut. Or It's not meant for you and I to, to say, man, you could reach any goal that you set for yourself. That's not the point. Paul wasn't writing that way. Paul was saying in the previous verse, in verse 12 and verse 11, he says, man, I've been in situations where I have been without anything, and I have had abundance. I've been in situations where my belly was full and where my belly was empty. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Here's his point. Whatever my current situation is, whatever reality is dishing out to me, and 2020 has dished out some doozies, hasn't it? Whatever my current situation is right now, whether it's a struggle in my marriage, a struggle with children, a struggle with a sickness, maybe I've lost a loved one, whatever my current challenge is, I can deal with it because God is going to infuse his strength into me. Where from, from where? From heaven. From heaven. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you and as you trust him, as you yield to him, he empowers you, I'm telling you, so that you can do things that you could not otherwise do by yourself. The baptized life. It symbolizes you dying to yourself and being filled with the Spirit in this brand new strength for living. Number four, the baptized life. What does it symbolize? It symbolizes continual grace. This may be my favorite point continual grace. What do I mean by continual grace? Well, a lot of times we get started on this walk with God and we text the word "saved" to 652. Maybe we even get baptized and we think, okay, clean slate, brand new start. I'm going to rock it. Like I'm going to be a great Christian and I'm not going to sin and it's going to be awesome. And I'm really committed this time. And then a day goes by or a week or two weeks and we realize we are complete idiots. I mean, we stumble and fumble and fall backwards and slip back into sin and go back to our old habits. And then we're like, I am such an idiot. Why even try? Why even read the Bible? I said I wouldn't do that anymore. I still do it. We get discouraged. We get down. We want to quit. Some of us gave up on church. Some of us stopped reading the Bible. We walk around with our head down secretly feeling like a failure as a Christian. Some of us even take it a step further and say, I don't even think I'm saved, I don't even, when I texted that word saved, to six, I don't even think I meant it. I mean, if I meant it, I would've changed, I didn't change, I still sin. And what we lack is an understanding of grace. See, the baptized life is, is this, it's this life where we, where we go into the water, we come up, and it's a symbol of a process, it's a symbol of a journey that will go all the way to the end of your life. It's not, it's not immediate transformation. It's a journey and a walk with God that requires continual grace. Dallas Willard was fond of saying this, Christians burn grace like a 747 burns jet fuel upon takeoff. And if you don't know what that means, that means a lot of jet fuel. We require a lot of grace. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If you don't have this verse memorized, please commit it to memory. It's so essential for your walk with Christ. If we confess our sins, he's talking to Christians, he's talking to believers. If we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just, and he will forgive us, drop the charges, cancel the debt, and also do something else. Watch this. Purify us from all of our sin, from all unrighteousness. That is a promise to you and I. When we get started on this journey, we're, we're still filled with all of our bad habits and bad behaviors and thought processes and the, we, we handle stress a certain way and we handle grief a certain way and we, do, we handle people that don't like us a certain way. That stuff's not gonna go away overnight. It's gonna hang with us. It's gonna, de- it's gonna take a process to get rid of that stuff of letting go of the old and embracing the new. And that's where grace comes in. Grace allows you to not get overwhelmed with discouragement and disappointment of yourself and feeling disappointed like you've disappointed God. It's a continual process of grace. Another verse that helps me in this idea, with this idea is Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says this. So there is no condemnation for those who, are, who belong to Christ Jesus. Wow. You know what condemnation is? Condemnation is this, is this feeling that, that sometimes we think comes from God. It doesn't come from God, but we feel like it does. And where we blow it, we mess up, we slip back into sin, we do something wrong, and, and all of a sudden we feel this you're horrible. Give up. Why did you even start this process? You're no good. Stop reading your Bible. Don't go back to church. Some of you have left church because of condemnation, feeling this way. You just should give up. You're no good. You're the worst at this. You're probably not even a Christian. Condemned, condemned, condemned. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, there is this other thing called conviction. Conviction is different from condemnation. See, condemnation drives you towards giving up. This is what Judas Iscariot felt when he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. You remember that? And he just, this is a guy who was with Jesus for three years, he could quote the teachings right? He, he saw the miracles and he betrays Christ for 30 pieces of silver, which leads to his crucifixion, right? What does he do? Judas goes out and he kills himself. Why? Because he was condemned. He felt condemnation. Now, conviction is different. Conviction is this other feeling, this other sensation that actually comes from the Holy Spirit living inside of you, where he checks you and he says, come on, that's not my will for you, that's not what I want you involved in. That's not what I want you touching, tasting. That's not what I want you looking at. That's not the person I want you with. You need to get out of this situation. Conviction. Conviction sort of kind of feels like condemnation, but they're very, very different. Conviction is God saying, I've got something better for you. Let's move towards improvement. Let's get out of this situation. This is not what I have planned for my, chi- my children. And because we feel bad about what we did, we move away. This is what happened with Peter. Remember Peter? Peter denied Christ three times. I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Remember Pete, right? Gotta love Pete. And after he denies Christ three times, he doesn't go out and hang himself. He repents. He confesses his sin. He goes to God and says, I'm sorry. And what does he do? He becomes one of the most transformative foundational characters in the New Testament, Pete. Because he did not run away. He ran towards Christ. Why? Because it was conviction, not condemnation. The Spirit of God will bring conviction in your life. And, and, and he will give you grace when you confess your sins. I remember years ago, I was, um, I was in college. And I was asked to teach a class at Liberty University. It was a Sunday school class. of, of Some of which the students were older than me. And... <clears throat> It was a huge honor, and it was a huge responsibility. And so I started teaching the class. But as I was teaching the class, I, I slipped back into sin because I had only been a Christian for a couple of years, and um, I, I was just not—I was—I didn't want to sin, but I was slipping back into some of my own patterns and habits. And I felt horrible, and I felt—I felt like I was no good, and I felt like I certainly shouldn't be teaching a class. i, I was even questioning my own faith, and so I went to my di- my uh, director's apartment. Uh, one night and I said to him I said hey you know I, I'm, I'm done like I'm I'm no good I, I, I've I've I'm not qualified to teach this class I'm I, I've got the sin pattern in my life and I was like broken over this and I was ready for him to say dude you're right man let's let's get you out of there let's get somebody else in there that that's that that's uh, walking a little bit you know stronger than you and so uh, but he didn't say that he didn't say that Instead, he explained to me the process of grace and how it's a journey and and we're going to take two steps forward and we're going to take a step back and sometimes a step forward and two steps back. And, And he gave me grace and he showed me some passages of scripture that helped me to understand that God doesn't throw the towel in when we mess up. That he just wants to teach us To get back up every time we fail and over time he begins to strengthen us. And so I didn't quit and he didn't fire me and I hung in there and I taught that class for a year. Well that class uh, ended up going on my resume. I taught a, a Sunday school class at Thomas Road Baptist Church. Well when I applied for the job here at Emmanuel uh, after I got the job, one of the things that our founding pastor, Pastor Jim Devaney said, he said, man, I was really impressed with the fact that you taught a class at Liberty University. I figured if you could teach a class of college students, you, should, you could certainly teach our high school students here at Emmanuel." Wow. Whew. What if I would have quit? What if that night my direct report Andrew Oates was his name what if he would have said what if he what if he would have come down on me with condemnation come on man I, when I asked you to teach this class I thought you were better than that you yeah we do need to remember what if what if he didn't give me grace that night what if he didn't walk me through the process of continual grace I probably wouldn't be here today the baptized life it, it's it's the best life on earth it's really life in the kingdom it's really life with god It's a symbol. It symbolizes you dying to the old life, coming up and walking in a brand new way. What if we did it? What if we actually lived this out? Here here are the results. I love this. The first one is that life works. (laughs) Like Jesus said, if you hear my teachings, you're like a wise, and you do them, if you hear them and obey, you're like a wise man who builds his house on a rock, and the waves come and the and the storm hits and on the and the winds come, but the house stands strong because it's built on the rock. What is the rock? the teachings it's obedience to the teachings life works better when you obey Jesus number two you become a better person you're letting go of jealousy you're letting go of anger you're letting go of hatred you're letting go of coveting materialism chasing money lust sexual sin you're embracing all of the character of Christ service and compassion and purity and courage like who wouldn't want that you actually become a better person. And then number three, you find strength that you need for, the, for today's demands. You, whatever the demands are in your life, whatever the situation is, whether it's a sick family member or, or, or job difficulty or troubles with your kids or maybe you're a student here and you've got troubles with your parents, whatever the troubles are, you will find strength for life in the baptized life. And then number four, you become graceful. You become a graceful person. Why is that? Because you've received grace. (laughs) You know, you know in your heart how much God has forgiven you and you keep going back to him and back to him and he keeps giving you grace and grace. And so when people cross you, when, 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 when they don't understand how to go through a roundabout, you know, they think it's a stop sign. They think instead of a yield sign, they think it's a go sign instead of a yield sign. You know, you, you stop losing it with them. Like, like this is my little experiment. By this. I'm growing in that area. It's like, oh, you're good. You know, <laughs> I'm learning. I'm growing. I'm letting go of the old. I'm embracing the new. You see how this works? It's a process. But you become a more graceful person because why? You know you're a blundering idiot. Are you willing to admit that? Like, I have received so much grace in my life. Who am I to withhold grace to you when I have received abundant grace, right? How could I ever hold it against my wife or be harsh with my kids? Or how, when I have been the one on the receiving end of grace, you become a graceful person. Let me ask you a question today. Who wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't want life to work better? Who wouldn't want to become more graceful? Who wouldn't want their life to be sturdy and strong? Who wouldn't want strength to meet the demands? This is, what I'm talking to you about today is the life you were created for. It was the life you were meant to live. Everybody was designed for this life. And so we're going to baptize some folks now. And as you see them get baptized, I want, to, I want you to think about it. Think about what this represents. This is the life you were made for. And, and here's the thing, the next go-around, we've got about 930 of you that we need to baptize, okay? So I want you to grab your phone right now, no joke, and I want you to text the word BAPTIZE to 65248 because we're going to do another round of baptisms on December 12th and 13th because there's a lot of you, there's a lot of you that texted the word "saved" to 65248 but you didn't sign up to get baptized. So grab your phone Text the word baptism to 65248 and get registered for December 12th and 13th. Now, we're going to hear Maddie's story. Great story. Young girl. She's been in Emmanuel for three years. She's decided to get baptized today. Check out her story and then we'll baptize some others.
1: My name is Maddie, and I am a preschool to eighth grade music teacher in Indianapolis. During my elementary school years, I actually lived in Florida with my two parents and my three younger brothers. I had a best friend who went to church every Sunday, and so Saturday night sleepovers were staying up late, watching Disney movies, and then in the morning going to church. And I just remember being involved with learning about Jesus and who He was, but I didn't really understand it. But I loved the music and I loved the community I had when I was there. Once I reached the age of 12, everything changed. My parents got a divorce. My mom had been diagnosed with stage four melanoma. Um, They were both trying to figure out how to deal with the stress. And at that point, I realized that family was the most important thing. I became an adult very quickly and learned what was important. Um, All through college, she ended up having cancer. Um, There was a moment there where she was better and she was dealing with it and coping with it. But I saw how both of my parents handled stress handle the environment. When I was 20 years old, um, over Thanksgiving break, my mom had actually passed away. I was a junior in college, and I was in charge of her estate, so not only was I trying to study for finals, but I was trying to plan my mother's funeral, trying to wrap up everything, and six weeks later, I was off to study abroad in Austria. And at that point was when I started thinking about my situation, thinking, the person that meant so much to me. Why was she taken away? So I actually had to go back to college a couple days after my mom's funeral. I had three weeks of school left. It was honestly a blur. I don't really remember much, but somehow God got me through it. Looking back now, I see how He carried me. I see how there was financial support for my mother's funeral. There were people that were reaching out, giving us food. There was a local Catholic school that had actually helped my mom out and they were there for me the entire way. That was the first time that I started to see who God was through all of the trials and tribulations. So after I got back from Austria, I started my student teaching at Whiteland in the band program. At that point, I thought to myself, I miss the way that I felt when I was in Florida. I had thought that Florida was the only way that I was going to be happy and find happiness, and I thought to myself, what things happened when I was in Florida that really made an impact in my life? I remembered my best friend and going to church with her, and I remembered being surrounded by people who cared. I thought that that was a logical step to start attending church, getting to know other people, being plugged into the community that I was serving in. I pulled out my phone, I Google searched, churches near me, and I went to Emmanuel. After the first service, I was blown away by the pastor, the music, and all of the people there. I loved that the sermons got your attention, that he was able to say difficult things, but not only talk about those difficult things, but acknowledge that it's what you're called to do and that God will show you a way to get through it. And I got myself plugged into the impact team. I was a small group leader with the high schoolers. And from there, I just kept going. I ran after the Lord. I chased after him and I couldn't get enough of it. Now, at this point, I've been attending Emmanuel for a little over three years. I was a high school small group leader. I got more involved with children's ministry. I was part of worship team. I love serving at this church. Everyone's so kind. Everyone's genuine. They really care about making sure that you come to Christ and grow in Christ and that everyone on the impact team is in somewhere that they belong. There were moments over the past three years that Emmanuel had mentioned baptism and everyone had said, you know, you'll know when the right time is or you'll feel it. And over the course of this COVID pandemic, there was a moment when I thought to myself, the people around me don't know the Lord like I do. They don't know what kind of life they can have by having the Lord on their side, knowing that He is taking care of them and that they can put all of their stresses and take everything to the cross. I had randomly texted Chris Clay after being really stressed out one night asking when can I get baptized. I felt the stress of things are changing. The world is different. Being a Christian in this world is starting to become more difficult and we need people to be leaders and role models for others that this step is so important in your walk. If I'm going to share one more thing with you, don't be afraid. Baptism is an extremely important step in your walk. I urge you to pray about it, to talk to others, to find mentorship, to dig deep in the word and know that God is there for you and he's the only unchanging thing that's going to be happening in this world. The time is now. I searched the word,
2: but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise treasure's the thing that never enough. But then you came along. And you put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied. Here in your love. Though there's nothing better than you, there's nothing better than you, there's nothing.
0: If I got one more thing or one last thing to share with everybody is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to get baptized. Now is the time. So if that's where you're at and you kind of feel that tug on your heart, man, grab your phone right now. And again, text the word baptism to 65248 and get, get registered for December 12th and 13th. I urge you to do that. Step into this, make this commitment to live the baptized life. Now, as we wrap up today, I just wanna share a verse with you that I read actually yesterday in the One Year Bible in Hebrews chapter two. It says that by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. It's just an amazing little statement that jumped out to me and I felt led to share that today because that really is what God has done for us. By God's grace, Jesus died in our place. He tasted death for every single one of us. See God, is a loving God. He is love, but He's also 100% just. And He will not ever sweep our sin under the carpet and pretend like it doesn't exist. He will not do it. In fact, that would make Him an unjust God. Like an unjust, a, a judge in our country that, that overlooks crime and overlooks sin is not a just judge. That would be a bad judge. We try to get that guy out of there, that get that girl out of there, right? God deals with sin. He is just. He's also 100% love. How does he deal with that? How can it be 100% just and 100% love? It's called the cross. See, when you look at the cross, you see God dealing with sin. You see God the Father punishing his son, punishing sin. Every rape, every lie, every murder, every theft, Every, pe- every act of jealousy, revenge, every act of envy, materialism, every act of lust or sexual morality, God put it all on Jesus and killed him. He had Jesus pay the price so that you didn't have to. When you look at the cross, you see God's justice. And when you look at the cross, you see God's love. He had Christ die in your place. He had his son pay the penalty so you didn't have to. The penalty for what? For your sin and my sin. And when I heard it put that way, when I was 17 years old, I was like, sign me up. If there's a God out there that loves me enough to have Jesus, his son pay for my sin, have the innocent die for the guilty, because he loves me and he wants to be with me, I'm in. It's called grace, call it mercy, call it forgiveness, call it whatever you want. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm not talking about about joining a religion. I'm talking about entering into a life with God. What we talked about today, the baptized life. It's the life you were made for. If that's what you'd like to do right now, and you've never done that, I'm gonna say a simple prayer of faith. Take these words, make them your own. Put your faith in Christ and become his child. Will you pray with me? Just do business with God. Just you and him. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for paying the penalty I should have paid. Thank you for canceling the debt held against me by sacrificing yourself on the cross. Wash me today, cleanse me of my sin. I place my faith in you, my trust. I ask you to be my savior. Make me your child. And from this day forward, teach me to obey, to let go of the old and embrace the new. Fill me with strength for life. And help me to walk in continual grace. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give God glory, church, amen? Come on, nice and loud. If you did, if you did trust Christ, if you just prayed that prayer, we would love for you to text the word SAVE to 65248. Here's why. We wanna put a Bible in your hands. There's a Bible inside of here. There's some instructions on how to get connected to the church. There's some instructions on how to get baptized in here as well. And there's also a mug, a coffee mug, because we're crazy about coffee around here, just to say congratulations. So if you've said that prayer, text the word "saved" to 65248. We'll send one of those to you in the mail. One more time, church. Can we give God glory?
2: Amen. He is doing powerful things.